Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Well, hello, everyone. I am Desiree Collins-Bradley, and I'm your host today for Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, and we have a very exciting topic that we're going to discuss today. I won't give it away. It's going to be a surprise, but let me go ahead and tell you about our wonderful sponsor and partner in this work. This episode is brought to you today by ATW Health Solutions. ATW Health Solutions is a Chicago-based healthcare advisory and consulting firm that has gained national recognition for transforming healthcare delivery systems from ordinary to best-in-class. At ATW Health Solutions, we use a data-driven, evidence-based approach to make healthcare better by focusing on improving quality, safety, and health equity in organizations and government agencies. Simply put, We create and implement innovative solutions for the right problems and the right people. Today, we're joined by Mr. Ignatius Bow. He is going to tell us all about a new memorandum that the Biden administration has brought into place, AAPI. But before he tells us a little bit about what exactly does that mean, Ignatius, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure, hi Desiree, happy to be here. So I'm now a health equity consultant. I've had many careers and jobs uh, over the years. Um, I started out as a civil rights attorney and then was also a program officer at a health foundation and now really am focused on trying to advance equity within health systems as part of quality, as part of patient safety, as part of really what our healthcare system with all the money that we spend on it should actually deliver to us. Awesome. Well, you know, like minds stick together. So we're super excited to engage in this project, which I'll keep a little secret for now. But why don't you go ahead and explain to us about the AAPI? What does that stand for? What is the memorandum and about how the Biden administration is implementing that? 
So AAPI stands for Asian American and Pacific Islander, and sometimes we add, add in Native Hawaiians uh, into that uh, alphabet soup as well, uh, <laughs> yeah. because we want to recognize the indigenous people of Hawaii, and that just as we are here on indigenous people's land in the United States, the state of Hawaii, there was a kingdom of Hawaii before Hawaii became a state. And so as part of our multicultural society, which we are so proud of, Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians, and Pacific Islanders are often invisible or ignored or even worse, pointed to as what we call a model minority, that somehow we're supposed to be doing better than everybody else. And so we don't have needs. We don't have any particular reason why the federal government or state and local governments or healthcare systems for that matter should pay attention to us. And unfortunately, as part of COVID-19, what happened with our prior president was that he used a lot of inflammatory language to label COVID associated with China and put that nationalistic spin on a lot of statements that he made early on saying that somehow China was responsible for this epidemic and that we should therefore blame Chinese people, um, not the country, but the actual people for what the devastation that we all saw, especially early spring of last year. Unfortunately, what that translated to was that because of social media, because people were isolated, then there were a lot of hate incidences starting to be reported. People being verbally assaulted on the streets, people being physically assaulted. And so community-based groups started collecting information about this. And unfortunately, from the beginning of the epidemic through June of this year, over 9,000 incidences have been recorded of, of people being assaulted verbally, physically, spat on, called names, told to go back to China. Ironically, over half of those incidents actually didn't happen to Chinese, uh, but there were other Asians. There were Koreans, there were Vietnamese Americans. But again, part of lumping all of us together meant that people didn't make those distinctions and, and uh, express that kind of bias and hate to folks that they perceived to be Chinese and somehow again, responsible. Over half of the incidents were accompanied by COVID-related statements. So that that's the motivation clearly that people were expressing. That's a so lot of people this... in a short amount. If you think about the short span of time, that's a large population of people that have had an incident of egregious hate. I'm just going to say that, you know, but it's, but I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, it, that number just was, is alarming to me. Right. Okay. So many of these over 9,000 incidents were not reported to the police or not in official law enforcement records. And we expect that the number is actually far higher than the 9,000. So to go to the presidential memorandum, first, the president on inauguration day on day one issued an executive order that said that his administration, the Biden-Harris administration, would really prioritize equity and say that it would be a whole of government approach, that it wasn't just about COVID and health, but in everything that we have at the federal government, whether it's housing, whether it's employment, whether it's transportation, that we would use an equity lens to think about the disparities that exist, particularly racial and ethnic disparities, and how the federal government in its programs would respond. And so about a week later, 
he issued a memorandum that said specifically federal government look at all these incidents of hate that have been documented by the community. So my Department of Justice, my Department of Health and Human Services, and see what you can do to elevate these incidences and work with communities to avoid and prevent them, obviously. So whether that's working to educate law enforcement, to educate others um, in communities in partnership with community organizations and leaders, um, that's what the memorandum directed. What was great was then Soon thereafter, the administration began asking for community feedback about that. And you'll, you'll t- share with the listeners a little bit about where that project is going. Wow. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, we are uh, working with the Office of Minority Health on Asian um, American Pacific Islanders Memorandum um, Strategy Team program. So... You know, before we started this project, I actually had never heard and and of this memorandum. And I say that to say is I am a news junkie, so to speak. I watch CNN. I, you know, I, I I read a lot about you know um, current events, and I feel like the community doesn't know that this exists because it hasn't been that publicized, even you think about all the incidences that you spoke about of hatred. You know, we see the police brutality plastered on the TV. We see all of that um, a lot. What we don't see are these incidents that have happened to this community. Because to your point, you know, it's almost like the forgotten people of this country. Uh Um, So I think, uh, you know, I'm really proud that the Biden administration is taking a way forward to make a difference in this. And I just had to just put that out there. I had a conversation with my husband in going to the movies last night and I was explaining it to him and he was like, wife, I've never heard of this. And I said, me either, but we're going to do some really great work in this. Right, Ignatius? Right. So the, the news story, unfortunately, that a lot of people may remember is in March of this year, there were these awful killings in Atlanta where uh, an individual who then told police that he had a sexual addiction and figured that he would take that out by going to spas and shooting yeah. um, at those spas. And unfortunately, six of the eight victims of his shooting were Asian women. Um, who work at those spas and again may have nothing to do with sex and and yeah, yeah, yeah. that's his perception of it or his rationale and so i think what that also highlights is you know aside from gun violence as a public health issue and how important that is to address um and mental health issues uh for yeah. for this individual as well but really the environment in which he could rationalize that somehow um, uh, Asian women were somehow responsible and that he would have to take it out by killing them. And so again, what that really mobilized the community to do is also um, heighten their vigilance and their speaking out about how this again applied across the board. Many of these women were Korean women. And so again, it wasn't necessarily related to the COVID uh, hate that was being spread by the prior president, but it, it all ties together. So the other thing that has happened since the presidential memorandum in January is Congress 
passed an amendment to the Hate Crimes Act, which does require the Department of Justice, the Federal Department of Justice, to document hate crimes of all types and really elevate the reporting of that, of those hate crimes to make it more easy for people to report it online, people who speak languages other than English to report, people with disabilities to be able to access that reporting system, and then also to work and provide grants to local and state law enforcement agencies, because it's not all going to go to the FBI or to the Department of Justice. A lot of it is going to go to local police and so really to do more training and awareness of this anti-Asian bias and hate that's happening and really elevating that as well. And so that's also being folded into these efforts. So I kind of want to shift just a little bit and we don't have to go into the full-blown detail, but I kind of want you to talk about the current project that we're partnering with OMH on, just kind of give a high-level overview of what we're working on and where we like to see the project go. Sure. So with ATW's Health Solutions and the Office of Minority Health, we're trying to implement some of the directives in that presidential memorandum. So the first thing is to look at what are the best practices to engage and partner with communities that OMH is actually coming at this with a little bit of humility, saying that they they don't necessarily know all the answers. And so they wanna go out to community members, to subject matter experts from the community and really identify how best to engage communities to co-design solutions and programs and services with communities. And so that's gonna be really important that OMH on behalf of the federal government really uh, identifies what those practices might be, whether it's language access, whether it's uh, taking into again, these differences between Chinese versus Vietnamese versus Korean and really understanding, understanding the history of native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders um, and their relationship to the United States. Um, and so that's going to be really important. And then also just making sure that the federal government, I think part of that executive order about equity and a whole of government approach is really acknowledging that we can do wrong, that we can actually do harm still. And so making sure that the federal government in its language, in its way of, of communicating doesn't perpetuate some of that bias, some of those stereotypes as well. Um, and so it's both looking at practices that the federal government can adopt, but also really practices that elevate those community voices and those community partnerships. Yeah, and you know, I, I just have to say, I, I commend Office of Minority Health's courage and the Biden administration's courage to really, you know, put a commitment behind this initiative because, you know, it's one thing to kind of talk in theory and, you know, we talk about what we're going to do, but to actually put the resources behind those implementation strategies, I think shows a true commitment that this is important and that our country, we're better than this. We're better than what the last years that we've had. <laughs> so, you know, you know, it's a good way moving forward. So I just kind of want to, in closing for our listeners, because Ignatius, our listeners or patient partners, community leaders, community-based organizations, healthcare leaders, it's very diverse. But I want you to really, you know, speak to that community members that are listening to this, whether they're leading um, a patient organization or something, you know, a, a prayer group in their home, 
Right. You know, what advice would you give them if they're listening to this and they want to get involved? What are some ways that they're like, you know what? I didn't know about this either, but this is something that I want to get involved with. Do you have any advice to those listeners? Absolutely. So the, the first thing I would say is I'm an asset-based person rather than a deficit-based person. So rather than taking these tragedies and this hate, um, I, I want to turn that around and say, let's take this as an opportunity to learn about communities, about populations that we don't know about. And so that would be the first thing would be educating ourselves, reaching out um, in our organizations um, to see whether there are Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders in our communities that we could invite to come and, and speak and, and uh, share their life experiences some of us may be, you know, pretty awful in, in what they've experienced in the last 18 months, but there's also a lot of resilience and strength as in every community. And then I think for those working with healthcare systems, it's always, uh, if we talk about equity, it always comes back to data that if uh, we aren't collecting data about race, ethnicity, language, other demographics and seeing where uh, patients are showing up and the impact of whether it's a patient safety issue, whether it's a quality improvement issue, are we leaving people behind? Are we continuing to make people invisible by not seeing uh, their needs? And so I think there's also a, a lot of momentum, a lot of conversations in healthcare systems, among health plans at hospitals about data. We, we heard that through COVID-19 um, and learned that, that it was so important to have that data. Um, and so, again, I think that's the, the sort of uh, more policy-oriented solution, if you will. Um, the personal one is learning and educating ourselves and engaging um, in the policy. The first step, I think, is making sure that we're collecting and using that data. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, you know, we will definitely, you know, those that are tuning in to our podcast, we will definitely keep you guys um, informed as we you know, progress through the project. We'll have many other speakers that will come on the podcast and discuss, you know, maybe their personal experiences or their direct relation to working on the memorandum. But, you know, Ignatius, I'm really happy that we had this conversation. I feel, you know, I'm the, my motto is if you know better, you do better. And so hopefully, you know, those that are listening and want to get involved and we can kind of shift the tide on this. So, Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. And thank as you for always, having me. you're welcome. And always, guys, be engaged. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.